Welcome to the Edge Podcast by MGR with your host, David Gill. Hey guys, David Gill here, bringing you the Edge Daily Podcast. We upload every day of the week, Monday through Friday, so be sure to subscribe. By the way, we have a new YouTube channel, or not new, but we're uploading a lot more now, I should say. And the link will be in the show notes. We have a new video coming out today, Friday, February 23rd. Be sure to check it out. We put a lot of work into it. Anyways, today's topic is all about AR, augmented reality. This is something that has been promised or not so much promised, but, you know, it's it's a it's tech that has been hyped for about three or four years now. Um. You know, people are anticipating holograms and completely changing the way we interact with the world. But so far, the only consumer-level AR we've seen is on phones with apps that let you, you know, use your camera and point and stuff. And don't get me wrong, it's really cool. Like, I downloaded the app that was the measuring tape app where... It just takes, you know, you just hold your camera and it basically makes a 3D map, if I'm not mistaken, a 3D map of whatever room you're in. And then you can just measure stuff like with your phone. You don't actually need measuring tape. And that's really cool. And that's some advanced tech, even though it sounds kind of simple. But, you know, it's it's still not, you know, these advanced AR glasses that just change the whole world, right? It's it's progress, but it's not... It's not what all, what the hype it doesn't it doesn't pay off the hype if that makes sense. And as far as consumer glasses go, there have been very few that have come out and they don't do much. Um, you know, they give you maybe some directions when you're driving or whatever, but nothing like crazy. And they have weaker hardware too, which limit them from adding new software. So the question is if there's been tens of billions of dollars invested in the AR space from, you know, venture capitalists to major tech companies, then how much progress have they actually made and how much more needs to be done until they're ready for mass market use? Well, I think in the next two years, in this year, 2018, and next year, 2019, we're going to see a tipping point, a point where we go from very few AR devices, this kind of stuff that's, you know, not much. AR is not mainstream yet where we are now, but I think within about two years, we're going to have tons of strong competitors in real public adoption, meaning millions of people will actually start using and buying these augmented reality devices. So today's episode is all about AR, so let's just get right into it. You ain't got no money, I ain't got no time. All these faces looking funny when I'm driving by. All right, so before we get into the future of AR and the possibilities, we need to talk about a few of the main problems that are currently holding AR back. You know, why is AR not mainstream already? What is stopping it? Well, there's a few reasons. I'm going to kind of lift list them off here. Number 1 is utility. This is, you know, the biggest problem. It's that, you know, right now these glasses do not have enough advanced technology, enough applications, and just overall usefulness to make it worth, you know, buying them and having mass adoption. So that's one of the main things holding it back. There's just not enough that the glasses can do yet 
at least as far as what ones are available for the public. Now, I'm sure there are tons of glasses in the works. In fact, I know there are lots in the works that will do a lot more than just basic apps, but those have not come out yet. So we are really just waiting for a, p uh, a pair of glasses that really have a lot of utility so that people can use them in everyday life and it really gives a reason for people to go out and buy these. And then second is price. I mean, these glasses are expensive. It's it's the same as, you know, any new technology. Really, when you have, you know, computers that had, you know, back in the 80s that were nowhere near the power they are today cost thousands of dollars when now you could get a laptop for like 300 bucks that's more powerful than the computer you using back then. So the price is a problem right now. Um, it, it will be solved over time, but for now, you know, like, for example, there's a new pair of glasses that are being beta released by a startup called Magic Leap, and I believe the starting price is about $1,000, and Intel is coming with their own glasses, and it's rumored that the price will be somewhere between $1,000 and $1,500, so a lot of these glasses are very expensive, so for the average person, obviously you're going to have you know the tech people who are just tech enthusiasts go out and buy this, and, you know, tech reviewers and all that, but I'm talking mainstream, everyday people who you know, need to see a real reason to go out and spend a thousand, twelve hundred, fifteen hundred dollars on a pair of glasses. There has to be some real utility there. And not to mention, a lot of people just quite simply can't afford to spend twelve hundred dollars on something that's not a real necessity. Okay, so that's the second problem. Third, hardware. So the eye tracking, you know, we need better uh, hardware. It needs to be smaller so that you don't have these massive glasses on your head because that's just uncomfortable, first of all, on, on top of looking weird. But you need better eye tracking. You know, this is what, if, if you want seamless holograms and integration into real life, because, you know, it's one of those things that's hard to imagine if you've never seen what it's supposed to be. But, you know, you could have, like, say you're using, you're at, sitting at your desk, you know, the idea is you could put up two, uh, like, mini TV screens above your desk and then have a football game going on to your right with, you know, players on the field and they're just playing on top of your desk. And it's all real. It's all seamless. But it's all virtual. None of it's, none of it's actually happening in real life, but that's what you're seeing in your glasses. And so for that to happen, you need absolute perfect eye tracking or else it's not going to look right it's going to throw people off you need absolute seamless looking holograms so all of these things need serious development and they're getting a lot better but a lot of the stuff that's promising that is still very much you know not even beta it's in alpha right now it's it's way way far away from being at that level of seamlessness um, so we need to get or, you know, the AR developers, the companies that are creating these devices need to nail that down if they really want to get the mass market adoption. That's one of the biggest things holding it back. Again, you know, people need to see a real utility that goes back to utility, a real reason to buy it. Now, that sounds super awesome. And a lot of you, especially if you have extra money laying around and say, OK, for a thousand bucks, that doesn't sound so bad, especially when you think about, for example, oh, well, I don't need to buy any TVs or monitors anymore because now I can just create them with my AR glasses. So that's already saving me money. But again, until the technology and the hardware is really there for mass market at a lower price, that's really going to hold AR back. 
Fourth, this one's not as big of a deal, but the aesthetic, you know, there is a little bit of a stigma. You look kind of weird, like with the Google glasses. They weren't even that ugly, but a lot of, you know, you got weird looks if you were walking around with Google glasses on. And a lot of these AR headsets are much bigger and bulkier. And yeah, they have awesome tech in them, but you look like a weirdo. Again, not a huge issue because most tech, like if you look at cell phones 15 years ago, they were like ugly or even a long time ago when you had those brick cell phones or computers you had the beige giant like square big desktops i mean most tech doesn't look that pretty at least in hindsight but i think i think people will get over that especially if the utility is there but of course there are glasses being developed that look pretty much the same as regular glasses too which is you know always a bonus and then the final thing and this again goes back to utility the main thing is just the utility but front-end applications and more developers so the AR hardware community is very very large There's a lot of people working on AR hardware but AR software is a lot smaller there's not as many people making new applications and not a lot of developers working on you know holographic applications just because there's not a huge uh, uh, incentive to do that right now. There's not a, there's no point in doing that now if the technology isn't there yet, and you don't know what platforms to do it on because there's so many competitors and no one is even close to having any form of market domination, right? So if you are an app developer for phones, you can say, well, I can make apps for Android and Apple and basically cover 90% of the people out there. But if you wanted to make AR apps, it's like, okay, who would I make it for? Because there's like 10 different platforms and none of them have any major you know usage so it's you need bigger platforms that allow for more front-end development and more developers because once they see that they can build awesome apps that would get millions of users then the developers definitely will come now with all that said the key thing is with that list of what's holding AR back is those are all just common issues that early tech have all kinds of early tech like I said from the computers to cell phones they all have those problems you need better utility it's very expensive in the beginning the hardware needs to improve and they look ugly and you need more front-end developers all those things they'll be solved and really the only thing that actually matters is the utility that's the number one thing because if the market sees a reason that makes AR glasses so useful. If the common person sees why they are so amazing and that they have to have them, and you know that will create immense demand, and that will solve a lot of these problems. With a lot of demand, companies can mass produce with confidence and even with purchase orders, and that will bring prices down. That's the beauty of economies of scale. The more you produce, the cheaper it gets. Aesthetic, that'll be fixed. I mean, it's it's. Eh, it's it's not like again it's not a huge deal and especially you know companies will work on that because they'll figure out ways to make the devices look nicer that's not a huge problem and the other thing about the front end developers there will be a huge inflow of devs to create AR apps because if there if there is a huge market demand for those apps if tons of people are buying these glasses but there's no apps on them then developers will be like rushing in to create those apps because again there will be a huge market opportunity and they themselves could get millions of users and make tons of money off of it so with all that said who are the major players that are that will be kind of showing off their glasses in the next few years so the main players that i know about 
are Microsoft with their HoloLens is I believe what it's called. I don't know if they're going to change the name or not or if it has been changed. But last I checked it was called HoloLens and um basically you know these are all pretty similar but basically they want to have you know holographic uh, the one of the first applications is going to be holographic gaming combining with Xbox which I think would be pretty cool. Um, Google Google had their Google Glass. They canceled it. It wasn't very successful, but now it's very, very likely that they will jump back in with their own pair of VR glasses. And they are also a significant investor in Magic Leap. Magic Leap is a startup. I wouldn't even call it a startup anymore because, I mean, they've raised $2 billion from companies like Google and other VCs and other companies um, to develop what a lot of people consider the most advanced uh, AR tech, but they are very secretive, very strict. They don't let any demos come out, but they're having their own um, beta glasses come out soon. So we'll have to see what the reviews are on that. But Magic Leap is definitely a major player. Intel, Intel has already come with their own pair of glasses that looks like identical to a regular pair of glasses. Now the question is the utility. There's not a whole lot of apps and a whole lot of tech inside that makes it super useful, but they're definitely moving in the right direction. Apple, there's nothing confirmed on Apple, but it's, I mean, they've made this a huge push on the AR apps for their own iPhones, but there is massive rumors that Apple will be creating their own AR goggles, glasses, whatever, in the very near future. So Apple will likely come with some type of product. Facebook, Facebook is doing a lot with VR. They own Oculus Rift. They have a lot in that space. You see, you know, these videos of Mark Zuckerberg walking around the world in VR. I would find it very hard to believe that they don't also make a major play in AR as well. And then finally, you know, the endless list of startups. I'm not going to list all of them. There's tons. You can literally just Google AR startups and find a hundred of them. So these are all of the companies who are going to be competing. I have no idea who will win this race. I think the companies that have a, I guess you could say a big advantage would probably be Microsoft. HoloLens looks to be pretty refined and pretty good, but of course they still need a lot of applications. Um, Google slash Magic Leap. Again, Magic Leap is a company that's raised $2 billion and all they do is AR glasses and Google obviously is a major investor in them. They had Google Glass before, so I think that they'll be good. And then, uh, you know, between Intel, Apple, Facebook, and the startups, I think Apple will be successful just because any type of device that Apple releases, if it's half good, it will get tons of people buying it. And Intel, they seem to have made good progress. So overall, it, it's just really hard to tell. It's too early to tell who will you know, win this market. I don't think it'll be any single winner, but I think we could in all likeliness see kind of like with phones where you have two or three major, right? You have Apple and Samsung and maybe, you know, Google Pixel, whatever. You have a couple major players, but the rest of the phones out there are not very big. Obviously, you have Huawei and China stuff, but I think it'll be similar. I think you'll end up with two or three major AR devices that are used the most and then a bunch of smaller ones. So we don't know who those major ones will be, but it'll probably be one of those companies. But it could it could be a startup. I wouldn't mind it being a startup. You know, I always, you know, I'm always rooting for the underdog. I like to see new startups come with new innovative tech, new different solutions than what all these other major companies are doing. Now, my prediction for 
uh, kind of how far away we are from mass adoption. I think in the next two years we'll see a lot of releasing of AR glasses, but I don't know how soon people will actually go out and buy them. A lot of, you know, you'll get the early adopters, but the mass market will have to see amazing reviews and real utility, as I said, before they go out and buy them. But I think, you know, it's 2018 now. I think within five years, probably by 2023, that we will see 100 million people or... Yeah, 100 million users of AR glasses within five years, and within 10 years, it could easily be a billion. That's my personal prediction. Of course, you know, predictions are pretty uh, not accurate most of the time, but that's my, that's my major guess. Anyways, who knows? Let's get into the news. It's time for the news. All right, so first in the news today, Airbnb announces a new loyalty program for their users. They're trying to go after the major market of hotel goers that are hesitant to stay with Airbnb because, you know, they they aren't completely comfortable with staying in another person's house. So they're creating new listings for loyalty members that must pass a 100-point checklist before being approved. You know, things like clean bedding and sheets and all of that, comfortable, making sure everything's nice. Stock supplies, like one of the complaints is a lot of time people, you know, the the owners of the house will forget to buy toilet paper or, you know, just basic things that you need or like ro- there will be no soap. So make sure it's stocked with supplies. Running hot water, a lot of times the, you know, water cool, water heating tank will break and then, you know, the guests are left with cold water. So just making sure that all the, you know, basic things that you expect in a hotel you can now expect in an airbnb and so that's what they're doing now because of all the money that's going to have to go into making sure all those things are right and you know the money that's going to cost owners to keep all that stuff stocked and ready and nice uh the prices are going to be actually more expensive and it's going to be closer to the price of a typical hotel room but you know the bonuses you a lot of times can get a whole house for the price of a hotel room. Now they're starting in 13 cities around the world. I believe Los Angeles, uh, Tokyo is a couple of the cities, but they said that by the end of this year, they plan on growing to up to 50 cities or even more by the end of this year. So that's pretty cool. Um, but again, the, the main thing is they're trying to get people past the stigma of not wanting to stay in a, another person's house and over a hotel basically now the other main piece of news is spacex elon musk's space company launched their first satellites that are intended for use in project starlink starlink is a project that's trying to create a network of satellites that will allow for worldwide broadband internet speeds the goal is that no matter where you are in the world you will have fast internet something i said will happen i said this would happen and what was that that was last friday's episode actually not this friday um i said that we'll see satellite and other wireless internet solutions that won't rely on the major internet service providers like at&t and comcast and all of them and that it will be much much faster and here we go they want to make worldwide like no matter where you are in the world no dead spots no nothing and I think that it will probably be about seven to ten years until we see a true worldwide network. But, you know, in all reality, it could be very soon that at least in major countries like the U.S. and elsewhere, Europe, we will see, you know, broadband 
speeds everywhere for much cheaper than what you currently pay. Anyways, guys, thank you for listening. Hey guys, David here. I just wanted to personally thank you for listening to this podcast today. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, it would mean the world to me. It would mean the world to us if you could leave us a positive review on iTunes or wherever you consume your podcasts. It just means a lot to us. We're new. We're just getting started. So if you could help us out, that would be great. And also, we have been putting up some fire content on instagram and on youtube so if you are not already following us or subscribed on instagram and youtube then go to the show notes click those links and follow us there we are posting content daily so be sure to check it out anyways guys thank you for listening and i will see you next time